Welcome back to the program. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck sitting in for Alex Pearson on point this week. Uh, today and tomorrow, I will be your host and uh, talking about everything that's happening around the world, including in Ottawa. There's a lot of uh, exciting things that are happening that uh, we need to drill more down into how our money is being spent, how our taxpayer dollars are being managed. Um, always interesting uh, to hear, uh, you know, different angles and absolutely a critical angle uh, of how um, how we deal with Ottawa. Sometimes I think we give Ottawa a pass. We don't ask politicians all the real hard questions. At least I'm not a political reporter. Sometimes I sit and I watch them and I think, I don't think you asked all the right questions. I would ask different questions. Maybe one day they'll send me there and I can ask those questions. I wanted to bring in Tom Korski. He's managing editor of Black Rocks Reporter. He does ask the tough questions and does get to the bottom of things. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Ravina. Um, so I wanted to first dig into uh, this story that is on your site, uh, the government profiting from inflation. I've also heard this, that uh, because uh, things are costing more, they're able to collect more tax, more sales tax, um, and that's helping them uh, obviously put more money in, uh, into their coffers, into the government coffers. Can you tell me what's the, what's the headline there? Oh, this is even sleazier than that, Rubina. Uh, in 2017, Cabinet had one of its famous omnibus budget bills. And these are bills that run anywhere from 500 to 1,000 pages. And they put everything they possibly can in those bills and hope no one notices. And there was a little act that they passed in their omnibus budget bill five years ago. And it was called the User Fees Act. And it did two things. It said that user fees charged by government departments and agencies can increase with the rate of inflation annually. That's now almost 7%. And they don't have to serve public notice. And so the comment is made an industry committee by expert witnesses that this has now become a cash cow for departments. They do not have to report profits from user fees to Parliament. They're on the take. This Act five years ago repealed a reform bill. It was a liberal reform bill. It was called the uh, uh, Service Fees Act. And it said the exact opposite. It said no department, no agency could increase any user fee anytime, anywhere without public notice and right of appeal. So it's a pretty sweet gig. How much money are we talking about? Yeah, I was going to ask, how much money are, we, are they actually making off of this user fee that's now been increased? They collect $2 billion a year in user fees, $2 billion with a B, start adding 7%. That's real money. What, $2 billion, like what does that mean? Does that mean uh, we could create childcare spaces for everybody across the country? I always, you know, I always feel like these numbers are so big that they're difficult for the everyday Canadian to understand. Is there an example of what $2 billion could, could do for Canada if they were to use it, say, on the people? Well, uh, e even if we're looking at, say, 7% increase, that's about a $170 million increase, give or take. That's rough arithmetic. That buys a lot of diabetes pumps. That buys a lot of wheelchair ramps at the old soldier's home. Departments are keeping this money, and the only people who notice and have no place to complain is everybody, every contractor, every business, everyone who applies for a permit or a license who has to pay these user fees. And they're not insubstantial. You know... Everyone has seen the famous pictures of people who are taking the oath of citizenship. It's very moving. And the uh, Ministry of Immigration will give a beautiful speech every year. Do you know what it costs to take a citizenship test in our country? $670. How's that for a user fee? Start adding yeah, I had 7%. no idea. Yeah, well, Being born in this country, I had no idea that it cost that much. In fact, I thought it was pretty cheap. I didn't realize it was that much at all. Oh, serious money. So you start nickel and diming, pretty a billion here, a billion there, pretty soon you're talking real money. And this is now all to the 
rate of inflation without any parliamentary oversight whatsoever. So some money is also being used uh, to pay off student loans. So student loan forgiveness, $54 million. Hopefully maybe some of that money that they're making on those user fees they could use, uh, they're using towards this loan forgiveness. Uh, Tell us what's going on. Why are they doing this? Well, they suspended uh, collections on students in 2020 as a pandemic relief measure. They suspended collections for about six months. And the feds have, which managed the program, Department of Employment, has started to slowly move back into collections. Defaults overall are down. Less than a tenth of student borrowers default. It's not because they're sharper. It's because the feds started uploading more grants before students hit loans. And there's pretty generous repayment terms. What's the takeaway here, though? You talk about lack of oversight. They say in a very quiet report to the Senate National Finance Committee, as you mentioned, that $54 million in loans will be forgiven, which means they can't collect them. For whatever reason, if you have a Bachelor of Arts degree and you are unemployed, it's, everyone knows you're not going to pay back the money, so let's stop pretending. But that's not write-offs. Write-offs overall, over years, cumulatively, are into the billions. And there, there's been little understanding from the department about where is this program going? MPs every election time have lots of ideas about reforming post-secondary education. It's like the weather, but no one ever really does anything about it. So instead, we have this very expensive program with millions in write-offs at a dead cost to taxpayers. And no one really has an idea. Is it about objective? Is it about making education affordable? Is it about rewarding people who have, um, uh, uh, frankly, the brains to really succeed at post-secondary education, but may not have the money? It's very complicated. Yeah, I've always, you know, advocated for students. I think that it's a crime. Uh, I I don't put that lightly, that students are graduating from programs with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt if they graduate from a professional program. We're not the U.S. You know, I've always thought that it was unfair to saddle young people with that much debt. So I'm, you know, I'm not against the idea of loan forgiveness, especially if um, that is going to mean that you can uh, start buying a home and start doing other things in your life, which obviously help the economy. They help, you know, the, the community that you live in. Um, but you know, is there an end to it? I mean, can people can people take advantage of it? What, what do you what do you say, Tom? Well, th- this is why there, there have been sporadic sort of ad hoc committee reviews of this over the years. But it's sort of it's one of those questions like healthcare. We spend a lot of money on it, and results are so uneven. And people get tired of hearing about how much it costs and how hard it is. How many times have you heard that about healthcare or education? Boy, it's so much during the pandemic. Exactly. And so there's never been one of these top to bottom reviews. What outcomes do we want? Who do we want to help? How much should it cost? Yeah, absolutely. I've always felt like if you have the marks and if it's just the money that's stopping you from becoming a doctor, a lawyer, a professor of anything that can help, you know, a, a te- in, a, in a technical school, that that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be the roadblock. There should be better systems in place for kids who graduate with high marks to get. I mean, they have scholarships and grants and bursaries. I understand that, but something just a little bit more uh, accessible, and that's there for everybody. It's not something you have to apply for and kind of wait to see if you got it or not. I agree. It's a fascinating subject. And, you know, the, you talk about the American experience. It's not widely understood in Canada, I don't think. How many people actually pay $10,000 a year to go to state college in Montana? Uh, I, I work with people, men and women, who have uh, been through that system. You know what they do is they, they join the American military. That's mm-hmm. how you get affordable education. That's their social benefit program is the Pentagon, which has a multi-trillion dollar budget. Right. 
So the, the, other, the next story I want to talk about is uh, this $390 million in subsidies for peri- periodicals. Um, and they, this is, is, this is to help uh, um, local papers. Is that, I'm, 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 if I'm remembering we- correctly, weekly newspapers uh, and magazines, weekly newspapers. Right. Yes. Um, and you know, they, they wanted to uh, beef up how much I guess local news is available, uh, but the number of people actually subscribing to this has fallen nine percent. Tell us what's going on. I mean, is this money well spent? These subsidies? No, it's a complete complete waste of money. Absolutely. This the, if you wanted to save a third of a billion dollars, stop this tomorrow. The subsidies have to stop. Uh, Rubina, it's just a bad idea. It's a taxpayers' ripoff. There, there's no job creation in this case. Nine percent fewer periodical titles in Canada over a period of five years, in which a third of a billion dollars in subsidies were paid to pretty much everyone who asked. I don't know why taxpayers stand it. I say this as someone who spent 40 years in the newsroom. Government, get out of the newsroom. Taxpayers, save your money. Spend that money on diabetes pumps. Do not Mm -hmm. spend it on incompetent publishers and money-losing publications. It has to stop. Is there a space though still for hyper local um, news? I think we're you know we're getting so caught up in international news. We get so much of our news from social media, which obviously is not the best place to always get your information. Is there still a space for that that you know that quaint local paper uh, that you can get like news about your community? Sure, it'll be called a website. They won't spend money trucking newsprint around town, and they can make money at it without a subsidy. They did it for 200 years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for your time and for breaking down those stories. It was uh, really interesting to hear all the, all the things that you've been covering. Thanks very much for Thanks coming for on the show. Thank, thank you very much. That was Tom Korski. He's managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. And I'm Rubina Ahmed-Huck, filling in for Alex Pearson. We'll be back after a quick break.